Hello and welcome to this week's French Football Weekly podcast. Not a lot's been going on. Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll see you later. Goodbye. No, I'm joking. Of course, my name is Chris. I am your host. And there is lots to talk about this week. Lots going on. Of course, there's the opening weekend of Ligue 1 and a certain other story, um, which we'll probably start with shortly. But I need some friends to do that. So uh, let's introduce the merry men and lady, starting with, of course, the lady. Good evening, Phil. How are you doing? I'm fine. Thank you very much. Good, good. And Mr. Rich Allen. Welcome back, Rich. Hello. It's nice to be a regular feature again. It's indeed part of the old furniture, like a warm sitting chair. Uh, and Jeremy Smith. Jez, how are you doing? Good, thanks. How are you? Good, good. Yes, good. So I'm uh, full of the joys of spring and it's nice to have some football back with crowds, um, even if some of them maybe, maybe didn't behave very well, but more on that in a <laughs> yeah, second. Let's, let's move we'll, on from that. Okay. We'll save that for, uh, for a little later um, in passing. Um, we are, of course, going to talk about the opening weekend of Liga. Of course, we're going to because that's mainly what our podcast revolves around. But it will be churlish of us not to mention the large Argentinian elephant-shaped figure sat on a plane, possibly or maybe not, coming across the channel. I am, of course, speaking about one Lionel Messi, and it seems to all the rumours and everything is pretty much confirmed, really, isn't it, that he is going to make Paris his new home after basically his entire career based in Barcelona. Hmm, where do I begin? Um, Jez, I'll, I'll start with you on this one. This is, there's been so much back and forth on the internet about this, you know, Twitter and blogs and podcasts and all sorts. I mean, there's been so much talk about this. Some are very in favour of this. Some can't help but thrust the boot firmly into Ligue 1's uh, knackers over this. Um, it sort of depends which end you come at it from, I guess. What's your fears? Because I think you're quite strongly in the camp of this is only going to improve both the league and how the league is perceived, isn't it? I mean, it's a massive signing and a, I would argue even bigger than Neymar in terms of its profile. Yeah, I wouldn't say 100% sold on it improving the whole league, but <laughs> I definitely think it's a huge signing and I agree it's bigger than Neymar. Um just because Messi's a much better player. And I think I think Neymar's position is such that I've found it quite interesting that there's been a lot of sort of PR about, oh, Neymar helps convince Messi to come. Is that what it's come to? Like Neymar's time at PSG has been so underwhelming that this is like the, his greatest achievement since he's been here. Um, the fact is, I think he was always going to, if he was leaving Barcelona, he was always going to go to PSG. There was nowhere else to go. If it had happened a couple of weeks ago, maybe City would have been a, a real contender. But the fact is that only really PSG can afford him. And PSG, with the sort of whole project to become, you know, one of the big global brands and clubs, were never really going to be able to turn him down if there was any means to get him in. So I, I'm a little bit bored with all the sort of uh, what a coup this is for PSG, what a coup this is for Neymar. I just think it was obviously going to happen once he was leaving Barcelona. Um, and then as from the purely football point of view, I think it's a fantastic thing. I think, um, you know, people's, there are people who say Messi is the greatest footballer of all time. 
Um, I don't know if I agree with that, but clearly, obviously, what among the best, and to have him in league as is a is a great thing for us for, to be able to see him week in, week out. You know, I felt really sorry for the Trois fans at the weekend who, um, you know, might be one of the the few sets of fans who might be able to go to their home ground and and see him there, um, just because of sort of bad timing. That obviously it might happen just after after their match but um it's definitely a big draw it's a big draw for Liga, um and obviously with all the sort of financial back and forth about whether psg can afford it whether it's right that they can afford it all that kind of thing you have to say that he you know commercially it's going to be a massive draw for psg and hopefully for Liga as well it should give the 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 league, if they're acting sensibly, which obviously they don't always, as we've seen in the last couple of years, it should give them leeway to kind of um, negotiate better contracts, better sponsorship, maybe even better TV deals, because people will be tuning in. I think Messi is one of those players who sort of transcends um, clubs or even sort of loyalty to um particular national leagues I think people tune in because they want to see someone like Messi play football and especially at 34 years old that there's going to be fewer and fewer chances to do that so people will be tuning into Liga, and then it's the responsibility I'm not sure about all this trickle down effect I think the last couple of years and the, the TV rights debacle proves that it's not as simple as um, old PSG will be huge but they'll drag everyone along with them they don't do that at all but the onus is on the LFP and on other clubs to position themselves to benefit in some way and frankly I think this weekend was actually a, a really good um, a good start I think there was a, there were a lot of really good things about the football that we saw at the weekend and if all of the teams can carry on in that vein and I think we said last week that it's well set up this year because there's a lot of coaches now who are really keen on on playing entertaining football hopefully that means that people will come for Messi and stay for um whatever else for for Clermont for Olivia Delalio for the way Marseille are playing this year all that kind of thing um so generally I think it's a positive thing extremely positive um if nothing else we're going to see a fantastic player week in week out and then we can worry about the rest afterwards in terms of what what people are saying about um you know, all the usual sour grapes about PSG. I don't care. I can't bear it. I've really had enough of it. You know, Grealish coming in for 100 million, uh, Lukaku going back to Chelsea for over 100 million. The fact is that um, I think it's just, it's, I think the attitude of Premier League teams, they, they, all this rubbish about skewing competition. It's not like they care about the competition in Ligue 1. They're only worried about their competitiveness in Champions League. And the fact is that whether they've been doing it in a supposedly more moral way because it's through TV rights or whatever or not, that's basically what the Premier League have been doing for years. I mean, the, the team that's just won Serie A is having the heart ripped out of it by various teams. So don't pretend that any of these fans care about football. They just care about their clubs. And so if PSG are involved in that, good for them. It's this whole sort of know your place attitude. It's basically, well, Ligue 1 is crap. So no one in Ligue 1 should be allowed to compete with, with us special clubs from, from the Premier League. I'm not having that. Good for PSG for, for standing up to it. In terms of the FFP, um, rules have been softened a bit. 
they do claim that the commercial revenue that could come from Messi could actually even things out. They also claim, or not claim, I mean, they do want to sell about 10 players this summer, whether they do or not is a very different matter, but that should even things out a little bit. The bottom line is if they break FFP, who cares? City break FFP and get away with it. Barcelona and Real Madrid have been allowed to get away with stuff for years and now they're sort of reaping what they say. I, I, you know, don't pretend there's any morality in football. All these clubs are as nasty as each other. And so good for PSG for, for trying to have a little bit of it themselves. Yeah. Um, I'll follow that, Phil. Good luck. <laughs> well, no, because, OK, first thing, um, I've seen a bunch of Barcelona fans saying they want to buy the PSG away shirt with Messi's name on the back. And I'm just like, am I the only person that thinks shit shirt oh, oh the, the away one yeah the white oh, one with the highlighter stripe I can't have that <laughs> I really no, like it <laughs> uh, okay fair enough I've never been fashionable but my issue with this is obviously he's brilliant if he comes to Liga it's brilliant but what would PSG look like if this comes off, given all of the other purchases they've made, who would have to play? I think it would be Mbappe up front. Uh, three behind is Neymar, Messi and Di Maria. Yeah. Then you've got Verratti and Van Alden. Yeah. Then you've got Kazawa still Sterling and Still surviving. Yeah. Ramos, Marquinhos and Hakimi. And mm-hmm. then Donnarumma. Can we spot a massive hole in that setup that might not be a problem in Ligue 1, but would definitely be a problem in the Champions League? Kazawa is clearly the issue, but with well, the caveat that... My problem Bernat... is there's no fucking defensive midfielders. But Bernat... Bernat going to come back and Diallo is probably ahead of Kassauer at the moment for better yeah. or worse but okay. I, I mean I agree with the general point it depends what what formation you play but I still yeah for me that's still the bottom line it doesn't matter we've seen it with Real Madrid and the Galacticos it doesn't matter how great your forward line is if you're never going to get the ball to them so I do think that's still an issue and I do think the biggest yeah. issue of all is whether Pochettino will be allowed to manage his team but yeah. All that aside, Lionel Messi is coming to league hole in the middle of that, and that will be a problem. And yes, they will probably walk Liga, but they will also then probably fuck up Champions League again. So, so with that in mind, then let me bring Rich into this. Uh, Rich, is there an argument that? You know, not just the signing of Messi, but with the addition of Messi, you could arguably set up two different sides for two different competitions. You've got two world-class goalkeepers. You can move Marquinhos into that defensive midfield role for the Champions League and and you can throw your, your eggs into the basket of Ramos plus one other. I mean, Tilo Kera, you know, he's had his, his issues, but he's a good centre-half on his day. Kimpembe, more importantly, is if he can stop you know, losing his rag every five minutes is a very good centre-back. Could you not make the argument that PSG could field a, uh, a slightly lesser squad for the league 1 games and then, you know, move or shuffle things around for the Champions League games? 
No, absolutely. I mean, we're also seemingly assuming that that's PSG's transfers in done. Yeah. Well, I don't believe that for a second. So I fully expect more players to come in, um, as ever with PSG and transfer policy, whether they're the right players or not, we don't know. But there is that opportunity. Do you expect them to buy a defensive midfielder? Maybe Paul Pogba would call him a defensive midfielder, but yeah. Go on, go on, Rich. Um, I mean, the big thing about me that's that's annoyed me, and it sort of it, it does tag on to what Jez was saying, was that sort of look down attitude that people have to the game. You know, so many people now saying, "Oh God, you know, best player in the world," and he's going to, you know, he's going to be gracing, you know. He's going to be gracing, you know. I'll pick it. I want to pick a team that's not going to offend him. But he's going to he'd be gracing Claremont, for example. Just as if, as if, as if, as if Messi wasn't, as if Messi wasn't already playing against these quote unquote lesser teams in Spain. Mm. These these teams that you use to do down the league exist everywhere, and it's because of those teams that we have the league that we like to enjoy. So. I don't. I'm not a fan of seeing people throwing the, you know, the, the lesser teams, if you like, of league and as like this is a this is a bad thing. This is why Messi should have gone to the Premier League. He could be, you know, um, he could be pushing himself um, every week and all this. I mean, that's just a load of nonsense. It, it really, really is. Um, a lot of the, and to be honest, it, it's. It's more from the journalists I've been seeing yeah. um, who are driving this. Oh, you know, oh, the game's gone and, oh, yeah, all this Qatar have bought him. And it's like PSG are supposedly this bad, evil corporation, which I can agree to a point. But let's not forget that bad, evil corporations exist elsewhere. Yeah. You know, I saw... Who was it? I can't remember. It was it was it was somebody saying, "Oh, Messi, you know what's what's he gone to PSG for? You know he he should have come to Man, yeah, Man City should have been a better place hooking up with Guardiola." And it's like, well, they are the same entity kind of thing in terms of the background, in terms of the money and all that. You you can't have your cake and eat it. You can't criticize PSG for you know, being state-owned and all the evil money that that um, has produced without taking a good look at clubs around the world because PSG aren't the only ones with questionable money coming in. I probably go on record quite, quite firmly that a lot of Premier League clubs, if not the majority of Premier League clubs, if you went through their finances in a, with a fine tooth cut, you'd find sources that were a little bit you know, a little bit questionable, shall we say. All legal, but questionable. And it's just said, there is no morals in football. The money is there, no matter what, whether it's a billionaire individual pumping the money in, or it's a company pumping it in, or it's a state pumping the money in. The fact is, football has come to the point now where money is the undoubted king. And if you've got a club who has access to that money, they're going to use it. And, you know, we, we look at the fact of 
all the transfers um, that, that are going on in the Premier League. As Jeff said, the Grealish transfer, the Lukaku transfer. It's, it's a crazy amount, but you can't just pick on PSG. If you're going to question PSG, you better be damn sure you're going to be questioning a lot of other teams because PSG can't be highlighted solely on their own basis. And I think another reason why the um, journalists are pissed off with this is because week in, week out, they're going to have to watch Liga now. Whether they like it or not, they're going to want to write about, they're going to want to write about Messi, which yep. means they're going to have to watch this football. So yeah. they can you know, dismiss it all they want. As soon as Messi has a fantastic game, they're going to be all over it. They're going to be like, oh, look at this amazing thing that Messi has done. Um, they'll be all over it. And look at the look at the work that Messi and Neymar put. They're going to have to be watching it. And that's the key thing, I think, for me, um, is, is bringing those eyes onto the league. Yeah. Now, we're going to have to deal with an awful lot of crap opinion about league. I mean, we've had to for a number of years, but... Yeah, what's new? Once, once this once this deal is done, that's going to be it's going to be an absolute influx of people who've never watched a league and game in their life, who are ignorant and not willing to change any kind of opinion. They're going to be coming in. They're going to be watching this product and they're going to be commenting on it. Now it may be that they all of a sudden become a PSG fan. Okay, I can accept that. Again, that ha- that happens with big teams everywhere. But what I won't stand for is just blanket um, blind criticism of the league because they dared sign the best player in the world yeah yeah because you know he he goes he goes he goes goes to man city and and what you know what 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 does going to man city prove you know (laughs) It, it proves just as much as going to psg so i'm very much of the opinion that you you cannot criticise PSG unless you're going to throw your net over all the other clubs that are spending absolute fortunes on players. Because ultimately, whilst it's being judged like this, football money in football is just money. You know, there's no there's no rules. No one's breaching any rules in terms of where the money is coming in from. You know, and until that happens, I'm afraid you know you need to put something in the laws of the game that prevent that. And until that happens, I'm afraid you can't criticise one without criticising the other. Yeah, yeah, this is something that happened this week. Um, uh, Get French Football News put out a tweet which I thought was very interesting, saying there are valid criticisms of QSI. But the truth is, Al-Khalifi is playing by the rules that football's governing body allow him to play by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's going to get away with it. And my point was, looking at some of the responses to that, it's ridiculous. Because pointing out the reality of a broken system is not condoning that system. Mm-hmm. Pointing out the rules have nothing to do with morality is not condoning those rules. We have a situation where the rules are not fit for purpose. And so if you play it, play them and play them well, then 
go for it. I didn't like Maddleton or Campbell, that they were good at their jobs. Their Come. jobs were shit, but they were good at their jobs. And this is a similar situation for me. This is where we, morality is rich as has nothing to do with it. No. It's what are the rules and the rules are bad. The rules are not useful. I I'm used not. to be a tax consultant, seriously. I read Schedule X so many years ago when FFP first came out and it's like, you can drive a coach and horses through this pretty easily. You yeah. would have thought UEFA would have competent uh, accountants and tax consultants. UEFA and competent. I don't, I don't think that. I think the rules are a bit of a red herring because the fact is we know perfectly well that clubs break rules and no one cares. So it doesn't yeah, really matter what the rules say. You know, when are the when are the twelve Super League clubs going to get some kind of proper punishment? And I don't mean some kind of, you know, basic fine, fine that, that none of them will even blink at, blink at a proper punishment. So, again, why can't PSG have a bit of that? And sort of carrying on from what, what Rich said, one of the things that I keep seeing about, oh, yeah, but the difference is that, you know, the TV money in the Premier League. Well, OK, fine, TV money. But where were Chelsea before their dodgy Russian owner came in? Where was City <laughs> before their dodgy owners came in? So the TV thing is a complete uh, red herring as well. And even and even lesser clubs that you know, I, like where were Fulham before the money from um, from Harrods? You know, yeah. where where were where were Blackburn before Jack Walker pumped the money in for them to win the title? Where were Manchester United before Ferguson you know came in and transformed them on the pitch, and then they got all the commercial deals? And again, I mean, in terms it's... of the skewing the competition, you tell me, Chris, where are Arsenal at the moment? Thanks to <laughs> Man City nicking all their players. Please where don't was, open where that was, Where would Southampton be if they were allowed to keep some of the players that Liverpool and Spurs yeah, yeah. keep nabbing? Absolutely. Yeah, so absolutely. it's rubbish. It's just picking and choosing. And in any case, as I think we're all sort of enraged by that ridiculous joke of a journalist, Miguel Delaney's tweet the other day saying, you know, um, well, if, if PSG do go on to the, win the Champions League, does it even mean anything? All they've done is throw money at it. That's what every Champions League winner has done, first of all. And secondly, if it was as simple as that, how come neither Man City nor PSG in sort of 20 goes between them, neither of them have won the Champions League yet? So it's not quite yeah. as simple as that. And no. by the way, again, as I keep saying, City have been doing this for longer than PSG and have been choking more often. Mm, absolutely. And, and and let's not forget the, you know, even the clubs like on the European continent, they, as you say, that are now broke, essentially. You know, when you look at Real Madrid, Barcelona, Juventus have invested so much in Ronaldo, like, as you say, PSG are not the only sort of darkness in, in the in the, uh, in the sky here. I've um, got like, I've got bollocked a few times by PSG fans because like, you know, they'll send a tweet saying that they've announced some deal for the, I don't know, Pochettino's Coffee. headrest on his chair in, in, in the dugout or because they've done some kind of link with, with Prince and Purple Rain, even though he's dead and that kind of thing. But, and people say, you're an idiot. It's got nothing to do with the football. It's to do with commerciality. And of course, I know that. And of course, I do still think the football thing is the main thing. 
but they're not completely wrong. PSG, especially with the, you know, the Jordan branding, for example, are doing some things right and are making a hell of a lot of money from the commercial side as well. So, you know, it does tie in. It does have an effect, I think, on, on FFP. So, you know, don't criticise everything they do just because they happen to not be playing in England. No. No, I agree. I'm going to draw a line under this this point because I feel like we could do a whole podcast on it. So, and we've got some football to talk about. But I think I speak for all three of us, and probably indeed the larger community of French watchers, when I say I'm just quite excited to see Lionel Messi in a Paris Saint Germain shirt in the league. I love. So, you know, I mean, I'd rather see that. him in another show <laughs> in Liga, whichever one, any one of the other 19. I mean, I'm don't get excited me, to see him. Don't get me wrong, the thought of him being fed by Enzo Lafayette in, in Brittany would be lovely, but um, I don't think it's going to happen. Did, so. did you see the uh, who's the L'Oreal president? Oh, Ferry, yeah, yeah his, that his, was, <laughs> yeah, that, that was, was uh, that was class. funny use of social media. Absolutely. There's been a few I've noticed this, this weekend uh, that have come out with a fair few, <laughs> few crackers. But yeah, right. Also, well, can I just say, I think Rich's point is brilliant about, you know, laughing about Messi playing at Clermont like he hasn't, you know, played in tiny little grounds. Granada or, well. yeah, or gone to Mallorca for a weekend of fans. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. And, uh, and if he'd have been in the Premier League, he would have had to have played at Watford, for example. Nothing against Watford, but, you know, it's not much of a, a step up from Clermont. It's Watford. Terrible exactly. one-way system as well. Yeah, and lots of concrete. Anyway, let's move on to the football. Um, so as I say, we wanted to wanted to cover oh, that. Fuck give it. yes, football. Yeah, there's been football. There has been football. Um, so what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna read through the results first of all, and then we're just gonna um sort of pick and choose a, a cluster of games together. So uh Friday night got us underway as Monaco drew not drew against Nantes in their opener, um, in a sort of weird game in that Monaco dominated but couldn't get the win. Uh Justin Martin's put them in front for Castelletto got the equaliser uh, against them so that ended 1-1 similar story for Lyon uh, who drew 1-0 with Brest and we're very fortunate to do so uh, then Cardona my little my little heartbeat uh, he got the opener for, for Brest just before half time before Slimani came on a substitute I think it was his first touch got the equaliser PSG opened up their season with a win just about over Troyes, who gave a really good account of themselves, has to be said, Hasham, with the opener with a header before Hakimi uh, doing what I think he's going to do quite a lot of this season, uh, blitzing down the right before crashing one into the far corner. And Maro Icardi, just sort of a minute or a minute and a few seconds later, ended up getting the winning goal for PSG. And then on Sunday, we saw Rich's Rand draw one all with Loz, uh, Suleimana with a, a lovely opening goal curling into the far corner before Fafana equalised for Loz after a bit of a defensive mix-up, I think it's fair to say. Uh, we then saw Bordeaux uh, lose at home to Clermont, um, who were more than worth their uh, their admission price in this one. We will cover that one in a little bit more depth in a minute, but Bio with uh, his third attempt after having two ruled out. Uh, he got on the score sheet after 82 before Dosu capped a very good individual performance for both him and his side to make it 2-0 late on and pile the uh, inevitable pressure early on on Bordeaux's new regime. Uh, nice nil, Rams nil, not a lot to say here, so we'll move on quickly. St Etienne won, Lorient won, a uh, little bit disappointed that couldn't hold on. Lorient went in front through a, a Vincent Legoff screamer. We don't see that every day. But uh, yeah, cracking all that before Weber Kasri equalised from the penalty spot. Uh, Strasbourg rather surprisingly underwhelmed on the opening day as they lost 2-0 against Angers, who won't give a monkey's Traore. And of course, Bahoken with the second 
securing the points there. Uh, Mets and Lille, oh, this is a quiet game, wasn't it? 3-3 is a fantastic game all of a sudden. In fact, the two late games were brilliant. Sven Botman put Lille in front before, of all people, said Tonsing equalised. Fullback to fullback goal, love that. Udal then put Mets in front before Santon's got a second with a slightly fortuitous double ricochet off of uh, Botman. But Jonathan Kone got one back for Lille to make it 3 2 before Akija. It's class as an own goal. I kind of would rather give it to Yilmaz because Akija, it's a bit unfortunate, really kind of went under him and through him. It wasn't uh, going in. Uh, yeah, I suppose that is the argument. So, all right, fine. It's an own goal, but you know. Uh, Kuyate sending off in the 56th minute didn't help Mets, of course, in that particular game. And then finally, we saw a, a thriller, which uh, Montpellier, unfortunately for Phil, threw away a two-goal lead. Uh, Luan Perez, who had a interesting first half, um, pretty much ripped to shreds, in fairness. <laughs> he scored an own goal before Gates on the board. Uh, just well, does Gate and the board things with a wonderful goal over the top of the strand of Steve Mandanda, who <laughs> looks every bit the age of what's he 38 now as it sailed over his head. Uh, Marseille got uh, got one back through Schengis under, and then it was all changed. Dimitri Payet, uh, proving that when he's fit, which uh, of course is not always the case, but when he's fit and when he's in the mood, he can do wonderful things. He uh, got a an equalizer with a free kick through the wall, which was a little bit poor defending, I think it's fair to say, before then going on a solo run where he just slalomed through and got the winning goal. I'm not sure I'd put the blame only on his fitness. Well, no, that's probably fair yeah, to say. Were you looking at a haircut as well? It Cause... wasn't the best, was it? It's a bit Ooh, Princess Lord. Leia without the boobs. It's not It's not the greatest uh, look I've ever seen. But, you know, when you're quite good and you're playing well, I guess you can get away with it. Um, but we want to start at the top. Uh, Rich, will come to you, first of all. So putting the, putting the top three of, of last season together, uh, Monaco, PSG and uh, Lille, what was you? What did you make of their opening opening day salvos? Because PSG ultimately coming out with the only victory. Um, Leon, I thought, were pretty underwhelming, and, and Brest very unfortunate to not get out of that uh, game with all three points. And uh, like I say, Monaco dominated against Nantes for long periods, but ultimately defensive issues crept out to um, to rob them of the games. What what did you um, what did you make of the opening top three salvos of the weekend? Um, I mean, it it gives us hope that we're in for um you know a wider competitive um uh, competitive league this season you know there was real struggle i mean you know even um psg although they got the win they did not have it by any means in their own way you know navas was called in for a number of quality saves you know and in in another game um, Twa could have easily scored more than the one goal that they did. Um, so you know that that performance, especially coming from a from a team where so, I speak from um, my, my own opinion here, I had quite low expectations, low to middling, shall we say, of Twa. Um, but that was you know fantastic performance uh, in front of fans as well. That then gives you know, although it was a defeat, they can take a lot from that game. You know, they really, really did look a, um, a, a dangerous, a dangerous team, you know, and it was just the fact that Navas was was excellent and a little bit of bad luck here and there that prevented them from getting getting anything from the game. Um, so they can take something from, although they haven't got any points from it, they can take something from it. 
um, in so much as they are a team capable of that level of performance. Um, Nantes um, against Monaco. I mean, Monaco were such such a dominant team in the first sort of, I don't know, half an hour, 35 minutes, um, and then conceded a pretty innocuous goal. I mean, it came from nothing. It was, it was a needless free kick, which resulted in a needless corner, um, and then pretty poor marking um, allowed Nantes to equalise. And from then on in, not just sat back. They were pretty happy with a point. They had, didn't really have much interest in trying to attack. And to be honest, Monaco didn't really um, sort of try and take advantage of that. You know, they, they had a lot of possession, but they didn't really do anything with the possession. Um, it was a very curious and surprising, I think, performance um, from Monaco. But I think, again, with PSG, they have form for not you know, getting getting going straight away. Um, you know, I think we look back to last season with PSG. Um, so when they lost to Lens early on, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so these, these, these big teams, they have form for not coming out all guns blazing immediately. It might take a couple of games for, for that to happen. Um, and then Lille, well, I mean... Fantastic! If that if that's the if that's the kind of game, that's not for chairs here. But if that's the kind of game we're going to see from Lille this season, then brilliant. Yeah, you know, the more three threes we see, the better. Um, I mean, there's still question marks in that team in terms of who they've brought in to replace those who've left. Um, the goalkeeper is perhaps the big one that I would have questions over. Um, uh, you know, I don't think we're going to be seeing Lille hold on to the league title this season, but by the looks of it, they're, they're going to be a very, very entertaining team, which for all the joy and that, that it brought Lille winning the title last season, it perhaps wasn't necessarily like fantastic football that, that won them the title. It was just consistent football that seemed to win them the title. 3-3 three, three on the first day. I'm, I'm all for that and the chaos that that can bring. Yeah, yeah. It was certainly good fun. Uh, Jez, I'll, I'll bring you in. I, I, I want to ask you about one of the other clubs and sort of transition it into the, them, but it'd be unfair of me to not give you some time on, on Mets. Um, how much money would you have won if you'd have put money on a Sometimes double uh, <laughs> Kate's Leo? Because it was a bit nuts, wasn't it? And, and I, I thought, other than up until the Cudiate sending off, I thought Mets were brilliant. Like, they just having been a goal down, was, when they were a goal down, they just transformed their performance completely, didn't they? And they, they just dominated Leo, and Leo had no answer until seemingly that sending off and the change of, of tactics. It seemed that way anyway, and then it all changed. But what did you make of your of your boys' performance? Because it was full of heart. Yeah, yeah, really pleased with it. I mean, as, as Antonetti said afterwards, I think it was probably just a bit of naivety. As you said, the game, I think, changed on the sending off, which... Funnily enough, I've seen most mess fans say was deserved and most neutrals say was really harsh. But um, I think Antonetti said it's the naivety of what is still a very young team. I think it's like the 
third or fourth least experienced in terms of, of league and matches in, in the league. So um, there's still a lot to learn. But yeah, no one would expect Santos to score two or even Udol, who's usually <laughs> a, a left back, to score one. But I think that says a lot about how Messi are playing. Maybe it's this new three at the back um, with with wing backs and Santos certainly has the ability. The, the worry is that he's not going to be there in a month's time. Um, and, you know, I said earlier that this year should be good because there's a lot of coaches who sort of really push entertaining football. To be fair, Antonetti hasn't always been one of them. But if you know, if if even even he and he and Mess are going to be looking to to go all guns blazing like that week in week out, then I think it really really bodes well for the season. Um, and I think it says a lot for Mess's confidence that they drew from last year. That that hopefully they feel they're ready to push on, not only in terms of sort of hopefully position-wise in the table, but in terms of the football they're going to play as well. Mm. Um, I think they were a little hard done by on a couple of refereeing decisions and should really have had a penalty. But So, you know, 3-1 up with 10 minutes to go, you're a bit gutted not to get three points. But the the way, you know, the style of play and the fact that they did, it was still a draw against the the league champions is, is I think, still a kind of a positive. There's more positives to take than negatives. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and from a neutral's point of view, and, you know, he's not everyone's cup of tea, but I kind of secretly enjoyed the Ilmaz celebration at the end. It was it was just that bit of raw emotion when he just kind of screamed at the crowd and it just kind of brought back why football's been so dead without fans in the stadiums, I thought. but been dead without fans, but there wasn't a single home win. No, no, that's so true. Yeah, yeah, very, very uh, good point. Some fans had... Yes, yeah. yeah. And, and, and believe me, I'm saving that for you, Phil. So you'll be on on that one next. But before I um before I do go in there, I did want to ask you, Jess, about or talk to me about Bordeaux, um, and more specifically Clermont, because I, I don't want this to turn into a let's all bash Bordeaux and forget about how good Clermont were, because they to me were just a breath of fresh air. Bio and and uh, Dossi, who got the goals, were exceptional. But just the whole performance, there was just a free flowing attacking. We're not phased by anything attitude. Um, but as I say, we, we do have to chuck in the, the how bad a Bordeaux into this as well. What was your kind of take on on that particular game and, and indeed both sides that, that made it so? I think we, we sort of touched on it last week, but I feel like Trois are a better place to stay up this year because I think they've got a lot more experience in in terms of the playing staff, but also as a club in terms of I was going to say what it takes to stay in Ligue 1. Part of the problem is they don't know what it takes to stay in Ligue 1, hence the yo-yoing. But you know what I mean, that they've, they've been there before. So of the two promoted clubs, I still think they're more likely to stay up. But I think Clermont will be a lot more fun because, I th- it's, as we said, I think it's almost like a free pass. I don't think there are any expectations. I think they're delighted to be there. And I don't mean it in a patronising way, but I just think they're going to have a really good, fun year playing some great football without any sort of um can't think of the word but um pressure yeah pressure but no yeah as no one's yeah no one's going to be expecting anything from them so they can just do it purely on 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 like everything they achieve is kind of going to be a bonus yeah. Um, and I think they they showed that yesterday. There's no need for them to have any fear or to 
you know, especially against a club like Bordeaux, which it kind of, in a way, is the the perfect direct contrast to them. You know, a real stalwart of Liga, but in a complete mess at the moment. So um, they're right not to have any. Still can't think of the right words, but um, whatever. They they were they were great fun to watch. Frankly, if it wasn't for Costil, they could have won by a hell of a lot more. Yeah. And then they had a couple of goals narrowly disallowed in the first half as well. Um, so, you know, a perfect start for them. Bio, obviously, it's only one match, but I think, as we said as well, that it can go either way when you look at players, you know, top strikers from League 2 going up. On one side, you can have a Diallo, on the other, you can have a, um, um, a Charbonnier or a Bozok, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it, it can go either way, but by, you know, it's a good start for him yesterday with, with that goal. The Dosu goal, I thought, was fantastic. It was almost Zidane-esque, the way he got the, the defender and the keeper to run into each other and both <laughs> fall over. and then sort of <laughs> So really impressive all round. And they will have tougher times ahead. They will have times probably where a relatively shallow squads will be tested. But all they can do is, is you know, face down whoever they're they're playing and and kind of hopefully whether they win or lose they'll do it with style and again add something to to the division Bordeaux on the other hand just you know to be fair Petkovic has only come in relatively late um he needs to be given the chance to to really sort of stamp his authority or his mark on the club um, they're not bringing in many players. I still don't think it's a terrible squad or team on paper, but everything about the club, as we've said before, is a little bit sick at the moment. And, you know, today I think that there's rumours about... Um, possibly leaving? I can't remember. So, um, you know, Who's they still you? could get even more... Thinned you, out than, you dropped out briefly. There was that Yassin Adli you said about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I hesitated because yeah. I know that Amin Adli is also <laughs> um, a target, the Toulouse player. But I think Amin Adli is on his way, maybe to Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich yeah, Anna maybe on interested in in um yes, in Bordeaux's Adli. Yeah. But either way, yeah, Bordeaux are in a mess. We know that. Um, hopefully, some relative stability off the pitch and in terms of the coach now will help them out. But I'm not sure either of them are sort of good long-term fixes and I feel that any stability they will get will only be temporary and I think the feel that it's only temporary means that yeah stuff around the club is still very very shaky and it's definitely rubbing off on the team I think mm, yeah yeah I think that's a very good point and as soon as I saw Sekumara wasn't on the team sheet I just went well there you go that's what happens you've got a young talented striker and you choose god bless him jimmy brion who wasn't very happy coming off but really didn't do very much so yeah and that uh, bio costiel duel was quite fun must admit and um the thing that really impressed me with bio is, is, is not just his goal but his movement it just looked like a a very natural in and out striker across the penalty area um but we we have to talk about events on Sunday night as well. And Phil, I'll start with you on this one because uh, it's pain for you, unfortunately, as as Marseille came from behind to defeat your your charges in Montpellier. A very very fun game of football, probably not for one who follows Montpellier. But so much went on in this game, didn't it? So much went on. Were you impressed first of all with with Marseille taking off your Montpellier hat for a minute because? 
you know, yeah, I don't I think, think he'd have come back a year ago, would it? No, Montpellier being 2 0 up at half time, I thought was every Montpellier fan was going, oh, fucking hell, yes. Okay, <laughs> right, we've got away with that. Because that first half out was really Marseille uh, dominance. And it was really against the run of play that the first goal went in. And I mean, much as I love that Laborde second goal, which is beautiful, but that was two in four or five minutes. And it really was a bit of a robbery at half time. And what was interesting to me was that Marseille then didn't collapse. Mm. They actually came back and said, no, hang on, no, no, not having this, and went for it. Because I think in the past you've seen situations where Marseille have gone down and they've lost their heads and yada, yada, yada. And this time they did manage uh, to come back and they did it in a very impressive way. And... I know that Jez might not like me saying this, but Payet, despite his absolutely horrendous haircut, was brilliant. Yeah. And that was something that I think is going to be something that Marseille fans are happy about, reassured about, that they went down they shouldn't have gone down, you know, looking at the numbers, but they didn't lose their heads. They kept their heads and they came back. Mm-hmm. And that shows a degree of uh, character mm-hmm. that maybe Sam Pauli has imbued in them and is maybe not something we were expecting from previous seasons. he's not the sort of coach when I look at him on the sidelines um putting it bluntly I wouldn't want to fuck with him do you know what I mean like he he just looks like the sort of guy that if something goes against him he will rip people to pieces (laughs) I was just looking at the tattoos and thinking well you could put just put a jumper on it oh no that's part of very much part of the image isn't it I I think he's always worn black and he's always worn t-shirts whether it like whatever temperature whatever country whatever club he's managed he has the same look and um it sort of works Uh, I think uh one of the few bits of commentary from BT which I actually nodded along with which is very rare to say so when they sort of described him as a bit like a a, kind of a pit bull he does kind of look like the human version of of a pit bull um, with yeah. respect to pit bulls, of course. Um, but yes, um, I do just want to I want to bring the lads in on this one as well. Um, Rich, first of all, I have to give you the shitty stick, sorry. But the scenes at the end, not great, really, were they, given the fact that we've just got supporters back in the crowds. I think it's fair to say, even with my Arsenal hat on, a certain M. Gwenduzi probably could have dealt with the situation a little better in terms of the, when the crowd started flinging bottles, he collected them rather neatly and then went over to the crowd and very visually poured them out in front of them before kind of suggesting that they maybe shut up. And can can I just 
make one tiny point before the recipe go in. I know that Montpellier Marseille is a derby, but you have to know there are a shitload of Marseille fans in Montpellier. You could see them in the stands. It wasn't just the the, the one area for the visiting fans. There were Marseille fans everywhere. Mm. You talk, I'm thinking, Almost 50-50. Yeah. I've been at one of these matches before. So if you're going to start chucking bottles at Marseille players, you are not just worried about the police and two people have been arrested. Yeah. Um, That is... It is a derby. It is flamey. But seriously, yeah you are going to be in trouble because other people in the stands are the opposition. Yeah. And this, it was a, I was very disappointed. Everybody was very disappointed. All of the Montpellier uh, feeds I follow on Twitter, very disappointed. We're all talking about the security and letting those Blessing people in without checking them properly. And it was extremely unfortunate, but this was a very, very odd situation, yeah. I think. And that's kind of basics, isn't it? Well, what was your take on it, Rich? Because the only thing I, other thing I wanted to ask you about, not, not only was it the conduct of the players and the crowd, but also how the referee handled it, or more importantly, was asked to handle it? Because there was a suggestion that the protocol is the referee takes himself off the pitch and the players follow. There was this uncomfortable moment where the players are sort of milling around going, huh? What, what did you make of it, Rich, from, from what you saw from, from the coverage? I, I don't know if I have too much of an issue with how the referees handled it. They they did what, you know, the, the protocol, as everyone, the word everyone used, that was followed. Ultimately, there was um, a loudspeaker announcement, um, there was then another speaker announcement and then there was a pause in play. Um, and, you know, the referee was quite clear with his signal, we're going off. I mean, the fact there was only a couple of minutes left, the players probably were a bit more of a, let's just get this over with kind of thing, or, you know, let's, we want to finish this game. There's only two minutes left, but rules is rules, as we have discussed rules quite a bit on this podcast, but rules are rules. And if the referee says we're going off because there's been a disruption in in play for whatever reason, then we go with that decision. Um, And honestly, I I just didn't get it. I understand that there is this regional um, sort of rivalry between them, but it just felt so... You know, it's just such an idiotic thing to do is throwing stuff on. And then Rongier getting hit in the lip. Yeah. Um, I think he went on Instagram after and showed it. I don't it think it this look- has ever happened before. I mean, it's supposed to be a rivalry, but it's not really because so many Marseille fans are here anyway. Yeah, I mean, I... I, I this I, isn't Saint-Étienne-Lyon. No, exactly. I mean, you know, the... the the big one, obviously, is Montpellier Nîmes. That's the that's the one that you would perhaps expect a bit more of a f- fiery crowd, shall we say? But 
But this, uh, you know, they, they, I don't know, it just felt needless. It was silly. You know, after fans being away for so long, mm. why, why? I just don't understand why you would do it. I mean, even at the, even at the you know, forgetting everything that's happened with, with fans being away, I still don't understand why you throw things on the pitch. I really <laughs> don't. That's the bit I can't get. Um, I, I don't overly have too much an issue with how Gwen Doozy reacted to it. You know, we've seen people react to things before by just clearing it off the pitch. If people are throwing full bottles of God knows what at him, at his, at his teammates, at, at the opposition, you know what? He'll just take it, clear it off the pitch. Right. If he can, if he can wind them up a little bit more. So I, be I, it then. I, I I genuinely, it. it genuinely looked like he was willing to take them all on himself. That's that's what that's well, why there's an article. I, I genuinely thought he was squaring up to the entire stand. Oh, he did as well, and he probably would, knowing him from from his Arsenal days and his Lorient days. He's, you know, he's a lot of things, but the one thing he's not is really as you said it did it, it did sort of have that come and have a go if you think you're on enough that, look about it in, in his that, in a weird way and we obviously don't want to see it in this format that weirdly is something that has perhaps been missing at Marseille yeah I agree yeah. for a while is that you know what I'll defend this team no matter what and if it means mm. I have to take on 5,000 Montpellier fans I will I'll do that <laughs> yeah oh that's um, a massive overestimate um, he's the you know, most Marseille just, signing ever, isn't he? You know, that's, with so many new players at Marseille, um, it was understandable that it was perhaps a little bit disjointed. Hmm. Um, but what I quite liked was there was the change um, after half time when uh, Stan Parody brought Benedetto on. Yeah. And what that allowed then uh, was that, it allowed Payet to have a it allowed Payet to have a freer role, and that's where we suddenly then saw. You know, that that Payet that we have seen before, that one where he is sort of running the show, you know, he doesn't have to do the running really anymore because De La Fuente down the left or right, depending on whether you listen to BT or not, he he will do the he'll do the running for him. And he, he did that um throughout the time he was on the pitch, you know. Um but yeah, I thought it was that change. And I don't know if Marseille in the last few seasons have necessarily been able to make that kind of change or necessarily perhaps have someone willing to willing identify to that it's not just a personnel change, but it's also a positional change as well. And that, that for me, was that big turning point in that game. That freed up Payet um, in a more... The more playmaker role, I suppose, that we know Payet to be, and then it's no coincidence then that he pulled the strings and and led that that turnaround. Yeah, yeah, he's not. I think forward. just also on that point, I agree that the benefit of change made a, a big difference, but Montpellier's uh, centre back pairing are a new signing and a youth player, so. There were some issues there, I think, when Sacco, obviously, who's been brought in, uh, is able to come in. That will be very interesting. But the you saw Dimitri Berto was having an aneurysm, I think, uh, when he came to uh, when he came to Pyatt's uh, equaliser because it 
just the they, war was wretched, wasn't it? <laughs> they did not uh, work things out, and whether that was because it was in the seventh fourth minute, where obviously Montpellier fans um, all uh, pay tribute to uh, Lulu. I think possibly that did have a slight impact, but the fact that the centre-back partnership looked like they'd never met before was more of a problem. Yeah, I thought it was a bit of a shame, actually, because I thought the young the young debutant actually, um, I thought he, he acquitted himself pretty well, considering he's, what, 17, 18? Um, who's well, Esther is uh, Esther 19. Yeah. And Tuller is, I think, 22, and he's the guy that's been bought him from Yes, that was the one I, I, I thought looked, looked pretty, pretty decent. Um, Jez, I, I was going to ask your thoughts on Marseille. In fact, what the hell, I will. But I did just want to chuck in another team um, before we kind of bring the, uh, the review to, to a close the weekend. Um, so give me your, your brief overview on whether or not Marseille impressed you. But I did also want to uh, address... Uh, Leon, um, just because we didn't really give him too much time in the preview show. And they kind of showed why in that opening game with, with Brass, because I thought they were really lucky to get away with what they got away with in terms of the scoreline to get an equaliser. just thought Brass deserved so much more. Um, and there were some worrying signs I, I had for them. So um, brief overview of, of Marseille. And then uh, if we can get your thoughts on Leon, that would be good as well. <laughs> well, dare I say that it shows how important decent directors of football are. Um, <laughs> I'm really impressed with Marseille and um, Pablo Longoria, I think, has had a really good summer. I, d- yeah. I don't know where they found these players from, especially considering that Marseille was supposed to be in, in financial trouble as well. But he's found some real gems. And, you know, for example, Conrad de la Fuente, which, who I oh. didn't think would be um necessarily starting I thought he was absolutely fantastic yeah and um, down the as rich said down the left wing um <laughs> and obviously you know the likes of Saliba and Guendouzi just really clever coups um to to bring players like that in so I think they're really well set I think I mean we know that Sam Pauli is a good coach but I think he's another one who possibly funnily enough like maybe in slightly different ways Velas Baras and Bielsa is so intense that the only concern is you think, is it possible to be that intense and make your players that intense for a full 38-game season? I mean, he already looked like he was about to pop a vein or two, sort of, you know, halfway into the first match of the season. But he is a very good footballing coach who's got Marseille playing well and, and as, as you all said, sort of instilling that winning mentality so that, yes, they definitely didn't deserve to be 2-0 down, but being in that position, previous Marseille teams would have wilted. In this situation, they 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 sort of rose and, and surpassed themselves. And that's away from home. Yes, yeah. like the law said it felt more like we were playing away from home. There were so many Marseille fans there. But the fact is, this was away from home. Imagine that kind of intensity, that kind of team performance at the velodrome. It's pretty yeah. frightening. So um, I, I really think Marseille could do very well this year. And even if they don't, I think it's going to be really good to watch, which I don't think you've been able to say about Marseille for, for most of the last Decade. at least 10 years or so, I'd say. Yeah. What, um, one really quick thing just before you go on, uh, Leon, just your point on Sam Pauli. Did you see, I don't know if, if you'd all 
carried on watching or if he turned off. But at the end, when the final whistle went, he sort of did that thing that coaches do where they they kind of like they want to fist pump. And he turned. And I, I, I have no idea who the coach is, so I apologise if she's listening. I'm sure she's not. But there was a female coach and you could tell that he wanted to do like a really aggressive, like slapping on their back kind of thing. And he did that gesture of like he was going for it and then he looked twice and went she's quite small i'm just gonna pat her gently on the shoulder and <laughs> then he stormed down the tunnel i just thought that was quality I, I really enjoyed that moment but sorry i had to check that in um carry on um i want one other quick thing i did see a very funny tweet from a marseille fan he said i'm not going to judge any montpellier fans for throwing stuff um, because I wouldn't be surprised if when Messi comes to the velodrome, someone throws a Vespa at him. <laughs> <laughs> Not that we condone such actions, of course, but yeah, that's very good. Um, were you as disappointed as I was in Leon? Mm. Oh, am, I, am I being mean? Because I, I, I tell you you're not I being saw. mean, but you think Peter Bosch is great, so you're more well, surprised it, than I am. It, it, what, do you know what? It wasn't even the coaching that worried me. It was some of the way the players' attitudes. Um, you know you and I have have slightly differing views on, on one number eight for Leon. Um, I thought he was, I thought he was really poor. Like, yes, he provided a couple of key passes. He looked like a player to me who is desperate to get out of there. Um, and when he's key in the midfield, that's an issue. I thought defensively, they were absolutely all over the place. Um, Lopez bailed them out on what? Four, five, okay, he made one spectacularly brilliant save. Technically, it was a double save, but he made the first save in particular was, was outstanding. I, there was just so many... Uh, going forward, they looked toothless. I just I just looked at this, and I, I want Leon to do well because they are a club that, that I enjoy watching when things are going well. And, and as you rightly said, I think Bosch is, is a good coach, but... I just there's just so many things I saw. Dembele as well, again, just looked like a player who was like, this is his opportunity to play himself back in. I thought he was desperately poor. As I say, maybe I'm being harsh, but that's what I saw. What what did you see in terms of the performance? First of all, I think credit to Brest, who I I think yeah. I Sorry, thought, I said that. well, I still think maybe we'll struggle this year because I think they're a footballing side who've been in woeful form this calendar year and have now got... Uh, coach who's not a very footballing coach so I was really impressed at them I didn't think they had that in them um in terms of Lyon nothing really surprises me with them I just I think you know next week I think they could have a a great game but I just think you look at the team okay the defense is a mess but it is a bit of a transitional defense so I think you need to bear with them a little bit uh, Lopez, I think, is interesting. He, I thought he was fantastic. And considering he's been so publicly undermined this summer with Leon making such a public play to try to get Anana in, um, I think that 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 was quite interesting, quite telling. Um, and given the captaincy to Dubois as well. Yeah, that was another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Which a lot of Leon fans would say is a very strange thing in itself because I think there's a lot of Leon fans who aren't even convinced that he should be starting. Or at the club. <laughs> it's just it, it, depending on where you read it. But yeah, I agree. But yeah, I just, I think in the rest of the team, I think, I know that we've criticised him on and off over the years, but I think Depay was so important to the team oh, yeah. because he had such, such ability. And last year, I think also the sort of stature and dedication that even if other things were going wrong, he could cover it with, with his ability and his will to win. I think this year, 
he's going to be missed. I think I, st- I do think Shaky will will sort of gradually improve, but whether you want to put the blame on Rudy Garcia or not, he's not yet a uh, uh, sort of you know week in week out starter or not used yeah. to being one yet. And also, I think the kind of player he is. I, I sort of compared him before to Joe Cole at the start of his career. We know that he can do all the skills, but I think it's very different to, um, you know, when when you come to top flight first class football, you need to learn when to do that that kind of skill and learn all the rest of the, the stuff like you know managing your your body, when to take a breather, when you need to to come back and help your defence, that kind of thing. Toko can be, I just think, is very hot and cold, and I don't know if the enough quality is there. Dembele, remember, he's had a horrific year in terms of injury and COVID-19 and total loss of form. Yeah. He hasn't had a bad preseason, but I think you need to be bear with him a little bit. Paqueta is only sort of just back, hasn't had a full preseason. And, you know, everyone's saying he's Lyon's play, main playmaker. That's a concern because he is a very, very flaky player as well. Superb on his day, but can also vanish. And now, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think I can say any more about what I think of him. And he clearly wants to leave, which yeah. I think now is just best for everyone because I don't think he's anywhere near as good as he thinks he is. I think Leon probably lost the opportunity to, to make a really good amount of money off him. Exactly. And I don't think he's going to bring much, even though he actually had a decent preseason as well, probably mm. just because he's pushing for a move. For a move, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I've had a gone. couple of things saying he's got his heart set on Arsenal. Which is interesting. We, we don't have our hearts on him, apparently, which is blows my mind. But let's not go there. But yeah, well, um, I don't know why. I mean, it only blows my mind in that he's a flaky number eight. He's made for you, but oh, I it, think he's the last kind of player you actually need. It, it blows my mind because he's a cheap, b available, and c actually has some sort of footballing brain about him, which our midfield basically doesn't. That, I that's think, all. I think uh, it'd be absolutely mad to go for him, and for all his faults that he sh- and he showed a lot of them last year. I think if you had the choice between Awa and Gimaraes, who you've been linked with as well, I would go for Gimaraes every single time because I think he's got some heart, and I don't think Awa does. Fair point, fair point. We will leave Lee on there for another week. Um, right, uh, just before we read, or I, I say we read, before I read next week's fixtures, um, we're going to bring in a, a little new segment um, this this season, which is very much a very brief, so uh, that's me warning my my uh, my family here. We have to be brief on this one, guys and girls. Uh, but just a, a player of the week, basically. Just a player that really impressed you for whatever reason. You don't need to justify it. It's just your personal opinion. Rich, who impressed you this weekend and why? Um, there was quite a few, um, but if I was to pick one in particular, despite him conceding three goals, um, I was really impressed with Dimitri Berto in goal for, for um, Montpellier. Uh, I thought he made a number of really good saves. I thought he looked assured. I thought he looked confident. He was commanding his area very well. Uh, you know, there's not a lot he could have done for any of the goals. Um, I mean, the free kick one, I mean, I, I don't quite know what was going on with the wall. wall was perfectly placed. But it's just you don't, down the middle. You don't jump and turn, surely. But, um, yeah, I just thought he was he was terrific. Um, and if anyone didn't deserve to be on a losing team, I thought it was him. Yeah, well said, well said. And nicely brief like that. Uh, Phil, you had a little bit of a moment for the uh, certain Claremont player, I believe. 
Yeah, um, I completely support Rich in uh, what he was saying about uh, Dimitri Better. Um, but yeah, in Claremont coming up and um, Mohamed Bayo last season was the top scorer in League 22 goals. And you come up and there is more pressure. It's a different situation. And he's hit the ground running and he looked like he's loving life. And that is a good, a promising, a very promising start for them. Yeah. So keep an eye on him. Do so as well, who I think uh, was second with Jim on 12 goals uh, for, for them last year but really impressive that he was able to just come out and play I think as, as was said earlier not so much no pressure but just we're going to do this yeah. and that bodes very well for them so great to see that Absolutely exciting talent. And uh, Jess, who who caught your eye this weekend? I think I might have a have an inkling. <laughs> I, also, I mean, I also like Rich's call, and I was going to be very, very cheeky and, and pick Navas, who, um, you know, I know it wasn't PSG's first team, but as, as Rich said earlier, frankly, PSG could easily have lost that match if it wasn't for Navas. And, yeah, and I think he had quite a strong point to make to certain people above him. Yeah. Um, for me, it's I know it's parochial and I'm not going to do it every week, I promise, but <laughs> Sentence, who's, who's been such a great player for Mess the last couple of years anyway, barely missed a minute's football, um, doesn't have, didn't have a league and goal to his name until very late last season when he actually scored against PSG. And now suddenly he scores two goals in one match. Um Yes, the second one had a bit of luck but to it, but it was still a, a really good run on his part. The first one, um, a really good, frankly, striker's header um, and uh, a, good, a decent defensive performance overall um, to boot. So he's been a, a real sort of underrated player, I think, in Niga for the last couple of years. And as I said, I think he probably won't be at mess this time next month because there are bigger clubs both in the Premier League and even in, in Ligue 1 who are interested in him. Um, but I think he's a top player. I think I know that it's it's the weakest position in the France squads, but I do think he he could and should be a candidate for, for the squads, arguably. Um, and it was just nice to see him get a, a couple of headlines for once. Joint top scorer in Ligue 1, as things stand. There you go, yeah. And, and as I said to you, at the time, I'm, I'm all about the uh, fullback to fullback. Uh, that makes me a bit moist. Uh, I love goals like that. That's just wow. fantastic. Obviously, no. after Pavard against Argentina, it's never going to be 
as good as that in terms of fullback <laughs> to fullback, but I'll still take it. But we'll take it, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and seeing as you asked, listener, I know you didn't, but I'm going to tell you anyway. I mean, my answer is always going to be Irvin Cardona, isn't it? If he scores, I, mean, I just that goal was delicious, and I just love him. And <laughs> he's great. So, a little shout out for Vincent Vincent Legoff as well with his strike, but um, obviously that's biased. So, yeah, a couple of really good stand up performances this week, and I'm sure we'll have many to come. If we're, uh, if we're, if we're just sort of laying laying praise to our our own individual teams, can <laughs> I just say? Uh, Suleiman's goal was fantastic for just, You just couldn't help yourself, could you? you yeah. just, also, just... also, the celebration was like uh, a late entry for the men's artistic gymnastics. He enjoyed that, didn't he? he I like the bit, good. Look, I like the bit after up. the flips where he sort of like, I can't remember what he did, he sort of motioned to the crowd like, come on, get right. Kind of an all-in-one celebration, wasn't it? Yeah, just just the whole the whole package. Yeah, it's just yeah. like very, yeah the way he did that after the flip, just really confident. Like, yeah, this is yeah. what I'm about. He's this is me. This this is what I'm going to be doing from now on. Yeah, yeah, gotta love the confidence. But uh, yeah, fair play, Rich. He was he was a good goal, and fair play to to him. Right uh, before we go, then let's have a quick look at next week's fixtures because, of course, now we're into the season. They come thick and fast. Uh, Lorient on telly on friday lovely job as they host monaco that's the 8 p.m kickoff um very briefly it'll shout out to bt sport who advertised the leon game at the weekend only to show me afl thanks bt good start to the it's season. not it wasn't apparently it's not bt sport apparently this is oh. the fa Last um, minute Saturday morning. I don't know if this is messy sour grapes or something apparently they decided that there can be no live football of any kind between three o'clock and 5.15 on Saturday afternoon. Oh, is that the case? I didn't notice. I thought it was just Premier League. So that's across Europe, isn't it? Oh, right. Okay. Well, I, you know, I'm not going to let BT off. They're still, they're still hell on earth, but you know, fine. Fair enough. Uh, Lille play Nice. That one has uh, a little bit tasty looked about it. That's on Saturday at four o'clock. So if you want to watch that one, <laughs> tough, you can't, but um, yeah, that should be a decent game. If you have a certain betting not company, guilty, yeah, good point, the Gautier Derby. And, and if you do have a, a certain betting uh, account, you can probably watch it on there. So, uh, you know, thank me later. Or PSG, you live in a country or if you, that yeah, the, the doesn't have a the whole 3pm thing. Yeah, maybe, maybe don't move country just to watch games, but point taken. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you've got the money, go for it. Yeah, the weather is nice. It's cheaper here. There Seriously. you go. You've been told, you've been told. Uh, PSG face Strasbourg on the Saturday night game. Uh, that one should be on BT if you want to watch that one. Sunday, Angers against Lyon opens up at midday. Again, could be a decent watch. Angers winning their opening game and obviously Lyon looking to improve. Uh, Brest hosts Rennes on the, this is the two o'clock games. So there's four of them. Clermont against Troyes and the battle of the promoted clubs. Uh, Nantes face Mets, uh, one of Jazz's favourite clubs there, Nantes. Uh, that's the another two o'clock game, as is Rouse against Montpellier, looking to bounce back. Montpellier, of course, for their opening day salvo, shall we say. Lons against St Etienne, uh, that's the four o'clock game. A uh, little bit of spice between those two, could be fun. And uh, finally, a, a clash of the, the previous giants, Marseille live on a Sunday night. Who'd have thought? First joke. three weeks, the Sunday nights. Guys. First three weeks. Oh, you had to spoil it in advance, didn't you? I didn't know it was next week as well, but that joke will continue to run and run because it's relevant. But uh, yeah, it should be a decent game. I mean, Bordeaux, you know, they, they have to be better, surely, in their opening 
day game of the season. But I guess so. Uh, I guess we'll see. Uh, and we will, of course, cover that and more next week. We imagine uh, that there will be uh, some sort of developments in terms of the messy situation, uh, probably before we record next week. Um, so, yes, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll cover the grand unveiling if and when it happens. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll keep that. We'll keep our powder dry on that one. Uh, but that is all for this week. So uh, just... reminds that Monaco have got their second leg. Oh, it's good, good shout! Yes, I wrote that down. I still completely forgot oh, to mention Jesus. it. So. That started already. Champions League qualifiers. Yeah, they're two oh, nil up from the first leg. So you would imagine a fairly safe passage through, barring anything dramatic. But yeah, good shout, Jess. Thank you for that. So um, yeah, we will uh, we'll also maybe have a look at that on next week's show. Uh, but yes, that is it. I think I don't think I've forgotten anything else. So uh, my thanks to the crew for joining me as always. Thank you, Phil. Thank you. And thank you, Jazz. Thank you. And thank you, Rich. Thank you very much. Splendid. Thank you all for tuning in. We very much appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you once again. And uh, we will speak to you very soon. Until next week, enjoy your French football. I'll speak to you then.